the Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents Worldview Media Podcast, where Gordon and Joyce Runyon view popular media through the lens of the biblical five-point covenant model to help believers appreciate and apply principles of exciting narrative and engaging storytelling. Coming to you live from a single perfect moment in time. <laughs> Yet another. <laughs> Our marriage is one continuous string of perfect moments in time. It's the Worldview <laughs> Media Podcast. Dominionizing in the area of arts and entertainment. Learning how to recognize what's being preached and how, so that maybe we can do that too and do it better for the glory of God. My name is Gordon Runyon. I'm your host. With me is Miss Joyce, my wife. They call her the big shooter. And here we are to talk about Star Trek Insurrection. Insurrection! (laughs) You know, for me, I always... The story and insurrection don't always equal the same thing in my mind. Because <laughs> I think, oh, what's that story about the Baku? What's that? <laughs> You're thinking the title is not very good? Uh, there's a disconnect in my head. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, well, the title of First Contact really wasn't that good either, right? And again, a disconnect. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and what's the next one? Nemesis. Nemesis. Title's really not very descriptive of that one either. Yeah, I I got a question that as well. But all right, so in this episode in the Star Trek Next Generation movie franchise, we have the Enterprise crew having to go and figure out what's going on with Data. Mm-hmm. So Data was on loan to a, basically a, a research mission yeah. where the Federation was... We don't know what they were doing. They were just there observing another culture. Data uh, freaks out. They were doing out. something more than that. Data right. freaks out, and they have to contact uh, his captain and say, Data's gone bad, he's rogue. Right. We need to turn him down, power him off. And continue on with our mission, and so... Right. Well, so it turns out that the planet that they're looking at has these weird properties, which tend to... Has these rings. Yeah, well, there's a weird radiation that tends to extend life, or even reverse aging, Mm -hmm. and not surprisingly, there are a lot of people who would like to get a hold of that. The planet's hard to get to because of where it's situated. And and, uh, so what the Enterprise has done is they've teamed up with some bad guys. Knowingly teamed up with some bad guys? Knowingly they have. No way! And their plan is to take the small group of humanoids who are on the planet Mm -hmm. currently, benefiting from all its effects. They're going to secretly ship them somewhere else so that then the Federation and this group called the the SOMA mm-hmm. they're going to 
uh, harvest. Find a way to capitalize yeah. the on the on the energy from the rings, and right. in so doing, destroy the planet. It's going to destroy the planet, and it's going to destroy the people too, because it's going to move them so that they're no longer benefiting from mm. the radiation. Well, yeah, but I think in the story, the people that we run into on the planet, they don't seem very advanced. They seem like a kind of a, a pre-civilized culture because they're, they're basically Amish. Kind of. <laughs> Not quite so bad. But it turns out they really are technologically advanced. They just choose not to use the technology. Yeah, they choose to live a more simple life. Right. They're very agrarian. <clears throat> yeah, making <clears throat> things from scratch and spending decades being apprenticed to people and learning their craft and and all of this stuff. So. Yeah. So what would you do if you had 600 years to live? Well, I'd hoe carrots with a hoe. You know, <laughs> it's crazy. All right, so uh, Captain Kirk finds out about the nefarious scheme. Captain Kirk, Captain Picard. Captain Picard. Kirk passed away in the last one. <laughs> I can't recover. So Picard figures out what the scheme is, and he's incensed by it. He's ordered away from there so that they can continue with their plan. But he disobeys he, yeah. the orders. Hence the insurrection. Insurrection. But that's I don't I don't think that's really right though. Insurrection means like when you're trying to overthrow somebody who's in charge. That's an insurrection, like a rebellion. Yeah. He's he's not trying to overthrow the Federation. He's just not obeying this one command. It's more like mutiny if you're gonna well, maybe it's the commander who's over him who's trying to do an insurrection. Oh, he's the insurrectionist because he's overthrowing everything mm. the everything. Federation stands everything. for. Everything. The prime directive. All right. Everything. You know, I was hearing another Star Trek-focused podcast, and they were pointing out that in the Star Trek TV series, Anytime you get a visitor from the Federation uh, higher ups, like mm -hmm. the like the Federation Council, or you get some Starfleet <laughs> Command or something, yeah. anytime one of those guys shows up, they're almost always corrupt and up to no good, mm -hmm. which is kind of a strange thing to have sticking in the middle of the Star Trek universe, which is supposed to be very positive about how humans have conquered all these bad things but anytime you get federation brass involved in. they're always terrible people isn't that just most brass <laughs> is there a well that may be their correlation that may be their comment on most brass but that's the way it certainly is in star trek that well just along that trail you know i think when in the series, the ships are always out. They're away from, you know, all the the political correctness, all the posturing and maneuvering that's going on within the fleet. And it has to... I mean, I can't not see it being like that because any organization, you're going to have that, especially a big high-powered one. 
where it's going to be, well, if I do this, then I can move up to here. And, right. and so maybe they're just removed from that, so that's not an issue for them. Right. And so maybe that's why Brass comes but in. But in the very last movie we were talking <laughs> about, Picard was bragging about how we work to better ourselves and we're not into greed. And well, but he he is really <laughs> out there doing that. I'm sure he could be at, you know, on the planet teaching, doing something, being in charge of something, and his preference is to yeah. be where he is. But I'm just saying they've got Which this was the advice of Kirk from the previous movie. Yeah, don't ever let him. <laughs> well... I'm just saying they've got this worldview where humanity has risen above mm-hmm. being all sorts of concerns. And yet, in their own universe, they've got uh, political operatives being corrupted by power and stuff like that. And uh, is that just an instance then of the writers of Star Trek not being able to escape the world that God made, even when they're creating their own, you know. Well, I see some of that too, but I think you could look at our time in history and say we have huge medical technological advances, which is a true statement, Yeah. and yet it doesn't affect our world in the way that you would think it would by that statement. So I think there's some of that yes this and no this at the same time. Yeah. Well, it's just that this great, like, uh, what am I trying to say? This like idealistic society mm-hmm. that These they've created. These huge sweeping statements of they goodness. Haven't, they haven't been able to get rid of all the badness. It's just kind of moved its location or something like that. You know. Okay, so uh, Picard, not Kirk, <laughs> and his crew decide to disobey orders and they stay and fight. Picard decides to do that, and his crew says... Well, his crew joins him in that. Yeah, but they know it's that's not like doing. that he's saying, okay, crew, we're going to do this. I mean, he's... No, I said Picard and his crew decide to disobey. Okay. They were volunteers okay, in it. There's a conjunction. <laughs> there was. So we're good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. So, a uh, big fight ensues... And they're trying to prevent taking the the indigenous people away. And, uh, well, finally, the Enterprise saves the day at the end. And it turns out to be that the Soma... Soma what are their names? Soma. Soma? Yeah. The Soma and the Baku, or who are the victim people in this story they're actually the same race and they're related and so there's a time of reconciliation at the end and all is well okay they're gonna have to (laughs) they're gonna have to repair the enterprise again again they blew out the warp core and always did something yeah well the the moral is you should never leave Riker in charge (laughs) (laughs) every time Every time the captain leaves Riker in charge, he doesn't get his well, ship back. The real issue is the captain is not supposed to leave the ship. <laughs> if we're going to follow the directive. Oh, right. <laughs> How many enterprises can you destroy, Riker? Yeah, they're up to W. <laughs> <laughs> the Enterprise W. <laughs> All right. 
So, overall, what were your thoughts on this movie? Well, this isn't my favorite music. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> That's the, the previous movie that we did. I mean, the music's okay. I really thought the costuming and the sets was really nice for the planet. Uh, kind of reminds me of like an old world Italy type thing. You know, oh, Renaissance yeah. the type wine of country of Italy. Yeah, you know, yeah. with the the nice architecture and the all the deten- attention to the details and the crafts and you know the the arts and humanities of them. You know that that that's all just kind of fun and uh, I liked uh, I liked that Picard was embracing a different culture. <laughs> And I think pretty much it was a good. It's probably one of my more favorite stories in the movies, but not my favorite one with the music. Oh, yeah. Well, the music for First Contact was really good, but it was a little bit darker and a little bit more somber mm-hmm. sounding. It had to be. Yeah. Reminded me a little bit of the theme music from Deep Space Nine. Oh. Which yeah. was a horrible series. But had good. It was practically <laughs> for me it was unwatchable. Even yeah. though I like Star Trek and couldn't stand Deep Space Nine. But the music was good. <clears throat> and first contact music was similar. Uh so I guess this is not one of my favorite Star Trek's uh. <laughs> stories, music, or otherwise. Yeah, any of that I didn't think was good. I, w- I was never terribly invested in the plot or mm-hmm. anything like that. And I thought the Baku people that they were trying to save were basically kind of full of themselves. <laughs> and uh, They were hard... They were just hard to feel sorry for, I felt like. And well, I don't know if you were supposed to feel sorry for them, but I think it was fun to see the effects on the crew of the Enterprise. You know, from being near the planet and how they were turning right. kind of silly and, you know, right. Jordy can suddenly use his eyes and actually see the sunrise. And, yeah. And so I think some of those, those things were really fun. I liked that. And I, I guess I like the concept of, you know, just a moment in time to really enjoy that and to appreciate where you are at that, at that right. moment. Right, be present, be yeah. content. Yeah, and so some of that, I think, is a real good message because, especially today, you know, so many people are busy, jam-packed, start the morning, you're already behind half an hour before you even leave your house because... Right. You've got this line of work to do once you arrive at your job, and yeah. you know then it's just rushed through the rest of the whole day, and then you get home, and well, I've got all these other things to do before I can start on this other stuff, so I can get dinner, so then we can have, so then we can actually relax and enjoy each right. other, and then it's time for bed, you know. And so, I like that a lot that you just have to to find the time to appreciate small things, and it wasn't um, huge stuff that they were talking about; it was just small, everyday, a lot of things people would see as inconsequential. Yeah, I think there's a lot to that in terms of simplifying your life and 
I look forward to being able to do that sometime. It'd be <laughs> nice to try. <laughs> All right. So I guess overall, just as a movie and not as a Star Trek movie, mm-hmm. I didn't really like it. I felt like it was maybe, maybe a two-part episode for TV. Mm. There was there wasn't much that seemed big and grandiose about it that it needed to be on the big screen. You yeah, know, it just seemed it just kind of seemed like a Star Trek episode. And I guess that's where I am. Yeah. I'd well, put I told it you at the things a, I like about it. So. I'd put it at about a C. Uh, I see, I probably wouldn't give it. Like an A, but I'd probably go like a B plus. Oh. So it's it's one I would see again, and uh, I, I enjoy it for the reasons I've already told you. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get it. We've got some uh, worldview issues to discuss, some thematic stuff, and we'll do that right after a break. Are you interested in Christian education? Would you like to learn how to be a Christian teacher or how to run your very own Christian school with success? The GCS Apprenticeship Program can help. Learn more on our website at gcsapprenticeship.com. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His Kingdom. back worldview media podcast talking about star trek insurrection in which the movie wouldn't work at all if it weren't true (laughs) that sometimes you gotta disobey the rules in order to do what's right to do what's right interesting concept yeah yeah now the way that Christians, of course, have a standard of right and wrong, and so it's always kind of amusing when you see uh, secularists get real preachy about mm-hmm. what's right and wrong, mm-hmm. and it really winds up being just a matter of personal preference and stuff. Yeah. Now, in this instance, <clears throat> what Picard was incensed about and what he decided he had to mutiny over was really a bad thing. What the Federation and the Soma were planning was just mass kidnapping. And uh, that's what it was. And, yeah. You know, that's a capital crime under biblical law. So we can get behind Picard here and say, yeah, that's bad. It's good that you're stopping this mm-hmm. mass kidnapping. And 
stealing people's land from them and stuff like that. So what they were, what the plot was, was it really was evil and Picard was right to stand up. But for a guy who has no real objective reason to say that anything in particular is wrong at all, as a secularist, yeah, uh, he got real preachy about it, you know, at one point, you know, <laughs> as he's arguing with the Starfleet guy. And I just find that amusing. It happens a lot. You find atheists who get really uh, on a moral high horse about stuff. And it, and it winds up just being because they don't like it or, mm -hmm. or something like that. So, but that's what we had. And I appreciate as many movies as we can get where it features the good guys deciding sometimes you got to disobey the government in order to actually do what's right. The more we can press that message, I'm all for it. So... Well, you're saying it was disobeying the government, but in actuality, it was disobeying the guy who Well, had he said that his plan had already been signed <laughs> off on, like he had deceived Starfleet or something. Yeah, like that. but I mean, the issue for me is that the Prime Directive is supposed to be, you know, the be-all, end-all of the fleet and what they're about and what the Federation is, and so... It was a matter of knowing that law over whatever yeah. this other guy was saying. So there was a a balance of which one had more weight, which right. one was more uh, worthy of following and obeying. And so then that's where the so the parallel. If I hear you right, the parallel then is not merely between God's law and man's law, but. You're even bringing it down a little bit more and saying it would be parallel maybe in our situation to recognize that some things our government does is unconstitutional. Yeah. And, and that makes it wrong as well, you know, just yeah. the fact that here's the document that as this many... This is what's supposed to govern Whatever us. flaws it has, and yeah. I believe it, it does have some critical flaws, mm -hmm. but that's the rule that we've supposedly all, all agreed to live under mm -hmm. and that all the officials swear to uphold. Yeah. And even our military. Right. Foreign and, so, and domestic. Right. And then it's, <laughs> then it's, it becomes wrong. Then if, if this is the covenant that we're operating under, then you become a covenant breaker by not operating under that covenant, regardless of whether or not we think, you know, it could be written better and, yeah. and well, could see, obviously but be more biblical. Now, even taking that into consideration, there are ways to amend and adjust yeah, that law, right. which we don't follow. Sure, sure. But in the same, uh, it's not just about our physical government form. It's the same way for Christians that we are in this world and we have to live as a part of this world and yet we still have a higher law than the constitution Absolutely. or the government or anything Absolutely. else and so you can't obey that higher law if you don't know that higher law yeah, yeah right and i think you know we we hear too many times stories of uh, well i was just doing what i was told yeah no, and no. um just following orders yeah you know i yeah. i have to obey that's what i have to do and no, you have a brain and you have to use it and you have to realize 
okay, is this a situation that I really can sign off on? Yeah. And your criteria for signing off better be more than, well, they told me to. You know, that doesn't work. Didn't work with my kids. <laughs> oh, no, no. And, you know, when I went in the Navy, you know, back when the ships were made of wood and stuff, when I... <laughs> and you had a peg leg. <laughs> <laughs> when I went, on, went in as a lowly E1 mm-hmm. in boot camp, and they explained to us what it means to live in a chain of command and yeah. operate with authorities over us and stuff. One of the things that I remember, I remember them very clearly telling us that you are, you are obligated to obey every lawful command. Mm-hmm. Well, that kind of opens the door to yeah. lots of things. Doesn't that it? word. <laughs> and uh, they were saying that to the 17 and 8 year, 18 year olds that were there in boot camp first time away from home and stuff, they were telling these kids, you don't get a pass for doing things that you know are wrong just because you were ordered to do them. Yeah. And I kind of wonder if they're still being taught that, you know? Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I know our society is not being taught that. And, well, and frankly, it's subjective. <laughs> yeah, and frankly, I know that Christians are not being taught that. Yeah. And... And people who are not teaching that, it's not because, well, it's it's not out of any altruistic motive. They're teaching they're teaching just obey in order to pad their own circumstances and build their own kingdoms and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's obviously true. It seems to me obviously true. Do you see any other themes that were interesting in this? You kind of already mentioned one before about learning to be content in the moment. Yeah, I think, well, I spent some time talking about that earlier. The whole reason Picard even goes to the planet is because this android freaked out freaked out, and yeah. starts shooting on his own people. Right. And it turns out he was damaged, so the only thing he had left were his basic running... Uh, Programs, his moral subroutine, and that was it. Yeah. That's all he had. And he said, "These guys are bad. You can't trust them." And so, that's kind of funny for an android, right? Who's programmed <laughs> right. to say, "This is bad, and I can't, I can't tolerate it." So, see, this is why our true artificial intelligence is never going to happen because <laughs> you're just yeah <laughs> because. At some point, you're going to have to tell your android the difference between right and wrong. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to tell your artificially intelligent machine how to assign value to things. And in order to do that, you're going to have to have a standard mm-hmm. of values. and Of non-changing. Yeah, and what Dr. Bonson used to point <laughs> out is that it's not just that every law is a moral law, but every single decision we make during the day is fundamentally a moral decision because every decision involves how we're going to value this over that and make a choice between this and that. And it involves discrimination and and being able to discern the difference between this and that and, and like I say, assign relative values. and. and the people that are building the AIs 
don't have that. Yeah. So how are they going to <laughs> incorporate that? <laughs> right. Into, how are you yeah. going to write a program about that? I just think it'll be very interesting when the people who are fashioning AI have to come to grips with the fact that, whoa, everything is moral. And now what kind of morality do we... <laughs> now what do I do? <laughs> How can it be moral? Right. Yeah. And I think even um, the Admiral's storyline in dealing with the Soma, you know, I think he realizes they're not really above board completely, but right. they're rushing through to get this because they've had all the devastation with the Borg and they're just trying to keep right. things on the up right. and up. And so, uh, and of course, by the time he finds out it's really too late for him. And so I think there's another tale of warning in that as well, you know, in the rush to to just get something done and not really doing your your background work to see and to investigate and to ask questions and to yeah. to really take a little bit more time to be thoughtful in what you're pursuing. Yeah, or just even to be to boil it down even more, desperation is not an excuse for anything. Yeah. Which is really where he was coming from. Yep. <clears throat> uh, you hit on a point there when you were talking about being content. And I think there's another side to that coin. And that is... I was bothered by the fact that here you have this race that doesn't lack anything, is not in need of anything, and they've got hundreds and hundreds of years to just pursue whatever it is that they want to pursue. Mm -hmm. And it seems to me that when we encounter this culture, they have decided that the ideal for them to shoot for is to not progress at all. And that really is related to a... It really It's an expression of a pagan worldview. Because most pagan cultures have this cyclical idea of time and and cultural advancement that mm. there really isn't any advancement just what has been will always be and and uh, not only are things not going to advance but you're actually harming things by trying to advance and it's all about it's all about the circle and the cycle and and so it means that there's nothing higher or greater to shoot for or to be attained and the the idea of progress is, well, it's just ridiculous. Any progress you make is going to be wiped out as the circle rolls around. And I don't know if I'd agree with you on that. Because I think they are looking at mastering some things, but I think it's, it's skill levels. It's not, let me build a machine that can make a fabric and embroider it and have it be better than something that I could do myself. And I think some of that is just taking pride in your work and actually it being your work and not, I'll make this thing that then can work and do this thing for me. So you're saying they're progressing personally. Well, personally, but I think you also have that reflected in the culture as well. Well, see, I don't think so because they had warp capabilities. They were able to go out in space and be an advanced culture if they wanted to, but they mm -hmm. mean the purposeful decision to regress well no they like decided that age, they just wanted you know. <laughs> to I think the lady even says where could we go that's better than where we're at no I'm saying where they were the reason they didn't use technology is because they had this weird idea that using technology diminished you and 
So as a culture, they decided we're well, not going to progress, you, we're going to regress. Uh, but culturally. you look at our culture and how we've progressed technologically. Yeah. And now everything we do, we have to have electricity. Oh, yeah. You sure. can't buy anything. Yeah. You can't make anything. You can't get fuel. If you don't right. have electricity, you... You're dead. Yeah. That's it. And so <laughs> right. here we are, very advanced, very technological, and yet one thing, and it would devastate our society sure. to have our electricity gone for a week, a month. It'd be over. Yeah, I I understand what you're saying. You're saying that technology doesn't mean, necessarily mean that you're advancing or as a culture. Or because forward. you've just become dependent on your technology instead of being dependent on your abilities to get things done. Now, technology's not a bad thing. No, but it's a tool. I think you're focusing on technology, and I'm not. I'm just using technology as kind of an emblem. I believe our culture is generally regressing because we've, you know, abandoned the foundations that led to the technology and all like that. And mm -hmm. so we're kind of coasting on fumes a little bit. <laughs> but uh, my point is that a biblical vision for culture is that it should advance. And that's every wheel of the axle turning at the same time not leaving one not turning or moving backwards but everything culture language art science technology all of that mm -hmm. moving forward and i think that's definitely the the biblical view the kingdom of god is progressing mm -hmm. now there may be individuals who regress and individual cultures that regress but the whole thing we're looking for advancement as a as the body of Christ, we're looking for perfection. We we know that day is coming, and and pagan cultures don't try to progress. That's why, with as big a population, for instance, as is in India, mm -hmm. they're not powerhouses in anything, you know, except in population. And they're not the ones making the big, the great advancements or anything like that and achievements. And in many ways, they're they're still living in a third world sort of situation in India because their presuppositions are basically pagan, and it's kept them from moving forward and advancing. And I just think there's a difference between saying I'm going to go on sabbatical and study this topic and become an expert on this topic that's yeah. a, that's a, that's different that actually is progress in a long range view there's a difference between that and just saying i'm done studying anything at all <laughs> and well, i'm I don't just going to that's what i don't i don't get that message from the the movie well they <clears throat> i think you're hung up on the fact that as a culture, they've decided that they're going to focus on these very tiny things and take a very long time to do them. But at the end of the day, when they get those done, their culture will not have advanced. You know, they'll still be they'll still be making rows in their farm with a hand hoe and stuff like that. I mean, there's no advancement. They may be creating artistic stuff and and all that, but. If that's all well, their culture was, they wouldn't be going anywhere. Are they trying to feed millions of people? Or are they feeding... I mean, I can see what you're saying, but it's not like 
that's India. <laughs> and they've got lots of people to feed, and they're just saying, I'm going to harvest me 10 kids. Well, I am saying that I think the ideal of the Baku culture is basically pagan. That we're just not going to look forward. Me personally, there may be things I would like to achieve and all that, but as mm -hmm. a culture, we're going to make a conscious decision to regress and and just not get anything done and and just not at Well, but I don't think all. they're not getting anything done. It wasn't like they're just all sitting around on the porch waiting for them. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, they're doing the basic stuff, but I mean, they're doing what they need to live, but as a culture, they're not moving forward or advancing or anything like that. Well, I disagree with you. Unless it, unless you say this new tapestry that I just hanging on the wall represents the advancement of our culture. Or the new statue that's standing in the garden represents the advancement of our culture. Well, okay, I, I get that. But I'm saying overall, all the wheels turning. Mm -hmm. And they're not. They're, they've... they've decided to keep some of the wheels from turning at all and that I think is basically pagan that suspicion of advancement that desire to regress and retreat is basically pagan isolation and stuff like that uh, sure <laughs> 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 All right, any other themes that you saw or anything like that? Uh, you know, the big the big head Soma guy? Yeah. He was just really a baby. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, he threw temper tantrums. He, you know, was screaming when he didn't get his way. He was just, you know... Yeah, for sure. Just kind of crazy to have that be the guy in charge, but... And he looked very old, but he was a baby. Yeah. Yeah. Now that describes our culture, though. Yeah. You know, where we've got 35-year-old adolescents and stuff like that. If only they were artisans and were working right. on something. We talk, about, we talk about people in their 20s as if they're children. And they're not quite adults yet. They're still kids. Well, they're 25. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Crazy. All right. You got anything else? I guess so. Okay, so next podcast, we're going to talk about Star Trek Nemesis. Nemesis. Maybe the name means it's the nemesis of good cinema. <laughs> Oh, you're bad. All right. See y'all later, you guys. Go out and dominionize. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Worldview Media Podcast. Please visit reconstructionistradio.com to check out the other podcasts in our network and to download our free audiobooks. <laughs>